to the latest installment of Super Puppy Podcast. Um, the name of this episode is OMG, I'm an OG. <laughs> <laughs> and judging by that laugh, you know who my guest is today. DC Comic and Man About Town, Haywood Turnipseed Jr. Hey, Give it up. Welcome to the show, brother. Wait, 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 I'll take them coins. Oh, uh, no, that's right. <laughs> All them coins. I know, that's right. Hey, them dog-killing coins. I'll do it for an ASPCA ass. <laughs> right, like, looking sad and forlorn. Ooh. I will do that. In the arms <laughs> of the <A's. laughs> Too much. That's it. That's all we do. You know what we were. You know what we were alluding to, okay? We got Sean in the house. We got a special guest audience member, Courtney Dodd, in the house. Hey, Miss Dodd. She is in the background chilling. So if you hear extra laugh, that's where it's coming from. I hope you hear extra laugh. Oh, what else are we doing in the podcast? Where's that echo? Right. Just hollowness in the background. That's it. If you live in DC, you know Haywood from Attack of the Comics. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that. Yeah. You opened for many, many. Uh, national comics, correct? Yeah. Uh, we've opened for Hannibal Burris. Hannibal. Shot Town. You've yeah. opened for Sinek, or Wyatt Sinek. Wyatt, yes. Tony Woods. Tony Woods. Sarah Colonna. Sarah Colonna. Adam Lowett. Adam Lowett. Uh, Colin Quinn. Colin Quinn. Baron up. Vaughn. Baron Vaughn, that's the dude. <laughs> and Janine Garofalo. And Janine Garofalo. You are very busy. I am. I am, lately. That's good. That's a, praise God good for that. Good problem to have. Good okay. problem to have. Um, 
native of Gary, Indiana. Yes, I am. Which I tell him every time my dad is from there. So every time I see you, I have to tell Everybody's you. Everybody's from there. Yeah. <laughs> One way or another. Don't nobody Morgan see that. Morgan Freeman. Michael Jackson. <laughs> Michael Jackson. Yes. And, and the rest of the clan. I have a funny story about Gary. One time I was driving to Chicago with a friend of mine, yeah. and we were driving through, like, you know, the bridge going to Gary that'll take you right to Chicago. Yeah. And we were like, oh, my God, Michael Jackson lives in Gary. And we, no lie, were right at Jackson Street. Yeah, so they were Jackson Street. We were like, it was they lived there. yeah. It was all over called Jackson Street. That is crazy. They didn't change it for them. And we went and took pictures. <laughs> of of <how>? Yes. <laughs> Uh, now you can do that. It's a tourist attraction. Oh, it is? Yeah, can you go like in there? Tourist. I don't know if you can go in. I think it's gated off. Oh, okay. So, like, people put their hands, like, uh, it's a plank or something. Yeah, it's a plank design and everything. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, I don't know if it's a national landmark yet, but it's like uh, a state landmark for sure. For sure. And a landmark in my heart. Because of course it is. I mean, that's, that little bitty house is what they look like. Child, it was for that little one bedroom house. Yeah, seven kids. Oh, they was getting it. Yep. They learned how to do it. They did. I remember when they they did come back when they did. Remember when they made the Jacksons make twenty three hundred Jackson Street? Yes. And then they came back on like a uh, a tour and a visit of Gary. That was a big deal. And there was that a show was too. Oh, that was a, it was huge. The whole thing was a show. Right. <laughs> yeah, shit show. No, 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 it wasn't a shit show. No, it was not. That, a that shit would be show. the president administration. Wacka, wacka, wacka. <laughs> it may have been, it's the opposite of a shit show. It's like a pee show. It was a pee show. Yeah, yeah, they, they let it rain on everybody. It was amazing. Randy was out there. My mom was like, Randy, you ain't even live here. What did you do? <laughs> Randy, right. He just came in like, well, I'm a, a Jackson, though. Yeah. I'm a Jackson, though. He's a consummate little brother. And of right. course, they still have family that's around there. But the way everybody you meet, you run into one or the other, they, they swear they know or have been around or are related to. I would tell you. I would... I would live that life. Well, it's true in my case. My mom actually babysat for him a few times. Stop so, it! That's true. You are royalty in my house. Oh, yeah, I know. Because <laughs> I got my Jackie Jackson did remember every her when he came back. Corner. I was like, oh, so it's true. You guys know She was one of the, if you watch the movie, she was one of the girls that they would have outside watching them in the van because they couldn't be in the bars and stuff like that. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, so. God bless your mom. Yeah, she made sure they didn't get too 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 raunchy. Good for her, cause that I'm sure that was a tough job, cause yeah. Jackie was fine. And she said Michael had a crush on her. Uh, <laughs> always that misguided love, hey. Michael. Focus on the girls, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> more shows, more accolades. Specific ignorance. Uh, yes, I was recently on. It was great. I've been on a few times. I think I'm the comic who's been on the most. Yeah. I have all wins. Oh, good for you. Multiple wins. Uh, Chris Miller can attest to that. So <laughs> you will tell us what that is in a little bit yes. here. We've got Madam's Magical Comedy Show. Yes, at Madam's Oregon, which is a world famous uh, bar in Adams, Morgan, D.C. The catchphrase is, sorry, we're open. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you already know what kind of place it is. Yeah. We have a magical comedy show on Monday night. Sorry, it's got to we're be great. open. We're second floor. We're above one night stand. Who, uh, one of the, they've been performing there 20 years. This is how uh, uh, instrumental this uh, place is. Uh, uh, Chappelle was recently hanging out there. Oh, nice. Uh, Johnny Artist performs there. Johnny Artist is one of the best bluesmen on the East Coast. Oh, word. So it's a residency to a few people, and uh, they recently let uh, myself and Alain New put on the show there. So we've been there a year and a half now. Up to a year and a half. Was it almost 20 months? It'll be two years in February. Oh, I love it. So we've been doing Congratulations. well. Congratulations. Yeah. Some that's shows good. are good, some shows are not good, and most shows are very bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what makes them good, right? 
right, well, well, as you can hear in the background, father of father, yes. four? Four. Yes, I am. Father of four. Just came uh, from coaching my son's football team. We had a DPR right there, DC Parks and Rec. Oh, right. nice. We coached 6U, yeah, yeah. We, we lost royally. That's okay. But we did well. We made a strong performance by our presence. We let our presence be known. So, big up for Stanton. For Stanton. All right, big up. I don't really understand sports, but I, I, I take your word for it. Win or lose. That's I all it is. Now, first, your last. <laughs> I, I, heard, I hear what you're saying, but it just doesn't process right. Um, this laugh. We're going to talk about this laugh, which you can purchase as your very own ringtone. It's a ringtone. Hey, we'll turn up to the junior right there on Reverb Nation. You can get the laugh. Actually, you can still download it for free until it gets to a certain amount. Then when I get to a certain number, I'm going to start charging 50 cent, 99 cents. And of course, give a portion to charity because that's what it's all about. What's the number? All right, uh, the number, the magical number? Okay, it's a magical number. I'd have been like one. All I need. <laughs> it's nine. If I get nine, if I get nine souls, then I'm good. That's all I need is nine souls to say, hey, we want that on a regular basis. And then they, the rest they, of y'all got to pay. Hey, that's it. 99 cents. That one is going to the charity. Right. The rest is going to feed these babies. Now, let's get into this list of where you performed. Yes. This is just a sprinkle of it. A salt dad. What's that mean? The salt? Uh, oh, uh, the, the dip from the, the, yeah. the Turkish, the Turkish chef. <laughs> right. This is a salt daddy sprinkle that. of Damn where you've been. Salt. Um, you've been to DC Improv. Yes. 930 Club. Yes. 202 Comedy Festival. Yes. Underground Comedy Festival. Yes. The Baltimore Comedy Festival. Yes. The Lincoln Theater. Yes. Anything else? Um, Super Public Podcast. Theater, Super Public Podcast. Boom. Yeah, Super Public Podcast, which is great. It was just great. So Stitcher and iTunes. Yes, right on iTunes. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, fun shows. Just fun shows uh, throughout the city. That's one thing I love about people ask why do I stick around in D.C. Actually, I just performed at President Lincoln's Cottage. This oh, is why, because nice. you can perform in places like that, which actually have a historical significance as well as a, a, a cultural significance mm-hmm. and a, a artistic significance. It's like being, like U Street is black with Black Broadway. Yeah. So to perform, be performing on Sally's on a regular basis, yeah. it's not lost to me that I'm performing in places that Duke Ellington walked and Thelonious uh, uh, Monk and John Coltrane and Miles Davis and Bohemian Cavern. Yeah. Like that. He recorded one of his albums. I've been able to perform at Bohemian Cavern before it closed. So it's that vibe of being in that jazzy area that, 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 just that Harlem Renaissance feel yeah. in D.C. is always, because D.C. is great for the arts. It's a good city. It's not, I don't, well, it's becoming lucrative to be an artist living here. But yeah. many artists live here as a resident and they do what they do and they take it uh, around the world. And that's been the goal and the plan. Because you, yeah. you, yeah, I got every airport right here. I can get anywhere you street. need to go. Get to Chicago Midway. Hey. You know, I could go uh, uh, to Aruba. I could go even from BMWI or Dallas or National. I can get anywhere I need to get to in the world, and that's a really good pl- thing. And even uh, places like embassies and stuff like yeah. that. You step inside, you're in that country now. Yeah. So being able to perform like a South Korean embassy or a French embassy, those things aren't lost on me. Because it's like, oh, wow, eventually if they dig it, the diplomats, then the people will too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's what's up. So get on my ass. trying to get to uh-huh. Africa one of these days. Okay. Then, you know, They'll be like, hey, Wood. I'm never coming back. There <laughs> 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 you know now. So I hit Ghana, I ain't never coming back. <laughs> That's it. Y'all hear that? Never let never. him hit Ghana. Never ever. Well, yes, you need you him here. 
I'll come back and visit. Okay, as long as we can have you back and forth. Because no expatriate is here, I'm going to take a spot over there. <laughs> right, I'll be over there. Y'all find me over there. Y'all find me, catch me outside. So how long <laughs> have you been doing comedy? Ten years. Ten years, that's it? Ten years. And all these accolades? Yeah. That's yeah. a long time and a short time. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, D.C., man. You can get good at D.C., you can get work. Yeah. You can get work. You should be working comic. The saddest thing to do is be comic talking about. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> or not funny. Uh-uh. Yeah, that too. That's yeah. just not a comic. That's a speaker. <laughs> you saw this stage talking. <laughs> so how, how long did it take you when you started doing comedy to find your voice? Uh, I'll be honest. I'm st- I know I'm in the... Hmm. That's a very good question because I had a unique voice early on and I knew that. Mm-hmm. What I wanted to do was develop it further so that I'd be able to present it on stage. I always knew I had a different thought process. And when I say different, it's just being able to present. We see things differently. So what do I see that's different from what you see? Yeah. That makes it funny also. Still. Right. You know, it's one thing to see it different but not be funny. It's a whole other thing to see, have, to see it different and explain how you see it different and make it funny. Yeah. So, and you have all, it all under like the, a little bit of time. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. So early on, that was the that was the, the, the goal and the mission. Like, okay, how, how is this funny? Because I had a lot of premises. Mm-hmm. A lot of things that I thought were funny that I didn't develop into jokes. And then once you start developing them into jokes, it was like, oh, that's my voice. Yeah. Because that's the part that's natural. That's the part. The punchline is, oh, what, what is that? Oh, well, that's uh, that's art. Yeah. Okay, but one of my, you know, someone said you can't spell fart without the word art. So that's the fart. <laughs> you know, but same thing with heart. You know, when you say heart, you're looking at his or her art. So that's one of those things when you, if you can make that just a position and people get it, uh, that's your voice. Yeah. So uh, even the way my voice sounds and the way my timbre sounds, I went to a voice coach. Uh, help, she helped me develop it. She's actually, uh, truth be told, she used to work at Duke Ellington. Oh, wow. She was a coach of uh, Chappelle at some point and other people who are uh, uh, musicians on the scene. Because it's a lot of singers and songwriters and all kind of artists. I mean, you live in an artist building, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. All kind of people here would be like, what? You do what for who? Right. Like, <laughs> uh, two houses down is a guy who actually, uh, he's. Uh, Stage director, um, what's her name, Yolanda Adams. Oh, okay. So it's one of those things like, oh, and truth be told, I had the fortune when I moved into my house, there was a guy named Andy Evans who actually lived three houses down, and he was the Yoda of the comedy scene. Oh, nice. So we, I just happened to bump into him at a comedy show one day, and he was like, hey, I didn't know you were a comedian. I was like, I didn't know you were a comedian. Right. <laughs> we had that conversation, and then he would just, we would just chat, and it was just like being able to sit at the feet of any master. Yeah. Just have them drop jewels on you and be like, you might look at it like this. Look like that. I mean, I'd be out mowing my lawn and we'd be full-out yeah. conversation. So that, then learning how to stack material and stack jokes and put things in story form and book form and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I was a little quicker than most, but it's about, to me, it's about the same thing. It still takes about nine to ten years to get it. Yeah. Get confident with it. Yeah. Because so, now I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, I know what I want to say. Now, how do I present it? And can I present it in a way that people accept it? Yeah. So that's the goal now to take it out and, you know, if it plays here, does it play in Peoria? Yeah. <laughs> and does it? Do you find that it does? Yeah. I have, I've, I've been all right. I've been all right. I've, I've had, even my misses have been pretty good. Like, I, I, I performed once at a hostel for Eastern Europeans. And <laughs> <laughs> you already know. You already know. You already know. So it was that kind of conversation that we had. Like, and I was like, oh, man. And I was like, well, and I met... <laughs> I made the mistake of saying, you know how your man Hitler did. Like, like that's your boy. Mm-mm. And it was like, that's not that boy. That's not that boy. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't our boy. You know what I mean? So, they, you know, that was that moment, where, which is awkward. But we made it work and made it funny. And that's the beauty of being a comedian as opposed to, like, being a speaker or a storyteller or something. 
you know, we can relish in our mistakes. Yeah. Like, well, I just, can I curse? Yeah. I, like, I, I just fucked that up. Yeah. But that's funny. Yeah. So if it's funny and people are laughing and they leave feeling good, I mean, we can drop a jewel on them, that's great. But if they are laughing, that's the most important thing. That's yeah. what feel good at the end of the day. So then I will, I will continue with this question that I ask all my comedian guests. Yes. Do all laughs matter? All laughs matter, no. <laughs> some laughs you want, some laughs you don't want. Right. I mean, that's just true. Because if somebody's agreeing with you about something that is really... And if you know you're being... Uh, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like, Mad Magazine, if you're parroting something. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of times I, I, I say stuff from a point of view that I know is awkward. And I'm like, white man, you laughed a little bit too hard at that one. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the kind of joke I know you tell when we're not around. Right. But I can tell it. I'm not saying you can't laugh at it. Right. I'm just but saying check that you're laughing at it. I and, see you. And, you know, we having that moment. Like, again, in Madison, Oregon, we had the day it was cop week. A bunch of cops walked in. And it was like, okay, how do I entertain officers in the midst of Black Lives Matter? Right. And all of that being... Uh, we're all aware of that. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay, Black Lives Matter, okay, All Lives Matter, and then let's be honest, I, you guys, I know y'all have said more than once, Black Lives Didn't Matter on this block too. <laughs> <laughs> and they started laughing, and I was like, see, we get it. Right. So we're on the same page, let's not let what's going on, let's be the comment, let's not let what's going on outside divide us inside. Yeah, you know let's what I mean? get like, away. You might want to take it in, I might not want to take it in. I might want to take it in, and this is what we're talking about the NFL and stuff like that, I said it to say, that's everybody's prerogative to feel how they want to feel about it. Our job is to help make it funny. That's yeah. it. It's, that's it. A lot of times I think folks get caught up in, even self-included, because I get what people call preachy because that's when my opinion comes out. Uh, being comedians, they don't allow us to have focused opinions. They really don't. You know, mm-hmm. it's only when you get to unfocused opinions, I should say. When you get to those levels where people are drawn to see you, when they start coming to see you, that's when they want to know what you think. Yeah. You know, before that, people don't really care what you think. They just want to be entertained. Yeah. And if they find out that you think in the process, that is what I think is attractive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's that what point, I know I'm yeah, attracted to. Another where I'm like, okay, I want to hear more of what that person has to say. I, what, funny or not, I want to hear what they have to say. Mm-hmm. So when I'm, when I'm listening, when I used to be like listening to Patrice O'Neill or Bill Burr, or Chappelle now, or, or you know, you want to hear those thoughts on certain things, or Wanda Sykes, or something like that. Well, what does she have to say about this? And then that's when, to comedians are the people, to me, when it comes to entertainment, we are, I don't want to say, we're the, we're the workers. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're the folks that, we, our audience is right there. We're not separated from our audience. Movie, people who do movies and actors, even people in plays, they get time to practice. Mm-hmm. We have to practice in front of our audience. Yeah. There's no other way around it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then that's how we make our audience. Yeah. When they go, I remember when you wasn't like that. They <laughs> right. follow us, like they follow rock stars and stuff. But then that's what makes comedy endearing and, you know, the, the, the prophets, for lack of a better term, of today. I guess I should say messengers. Mm-hmm. The messengers, messengers of today's time. Okay, that's good. You get into comedy, you get people like Chris Rock who become uh, vocal at Democratic events or Bill Maher and stuff like that who become vocal in the process of democracy. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say Democratic events. Or you get like uh, Dick Gregory's, you know, uh, rest in peace. Or you get uh, mm-hmm. uh, like, uh, uh, shoot, oh, Bishop wasn't like, he wasn't political. But you get fo- fo- folks in that political band, Lewis Blacks and stuff like that. Yeah. Lucy K is getting political now. Yeah, he is. So you get that kind of thing. George Lopez has always been somebody who's always said life from the Mexican perspective. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think he speaks for all Mexicans, but he speaks enough that I understand his plight. Yeah. You know, so that's the beauty of it. Stand-up comedy in and of itself is 
you know, 300 people in the room, the comedian is the one standing the wrong way. Yeah. You know, telling people what they think. I love it. <laughs> so you're already it. against the grain. Yeah. So go in. <laughs> okay, so speaking of going in, yeah. do you want to... Speaking of going in, mm -hmm. do you find... Okay, because I think I asked you this question before. Mm -hmm. Like, when you're on stage and you're saying, like, the N-word... <laughs> like I said, the N-word. When you're saying yeah. nigga on stage... <laughs> Um, you know, how do you, do you find that you need to censor yourself or do you even consider, um, what you, that your words may be offensive or is that something that you're not even... No, I'm aware. You cannot not be aware. Every word matters. That's what we do every, it's like, that's, it's like a book. Mm -hmm. So it tells a story. Every word tells a story. So when I drop certain words, that tells a story of who I am. And I've had those moments where other people have been offended and been like, I just think we all, uh, are the same and get along. That's great. That's great. You, it's a word that I do use in my personal life. So now if I use it in my personal life and that stage for however long I'm on it is my personal space, then I have to be true to who I am and become that artist that I am. That's yeah. the artist and the entertainer. There are moments where I do entertain and censor myself and don't use it. Most recently I did a veteran show, right? Mm -hmm. So now if I'm a veteran show and I have a joke where I call my kid because I say that he doesn't know who Harry Tubman is. I say, in the joke, I say that he thinks that Harry Tubman is the first black metro driver. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not the underground railroad she was talking, talking about. I was like, ooh, you nigga. <laughs> I, I have to say it like that. Yeah. But then it, white folks get it, and they laugh, because they're like, oh, he's saying, not what we said, yeah. but... You a nigga. Yeah, come on, man. Come on, <laughs> right. come on now. You need to know. But then there's also the time, and I'm, rec I'm recognizing where I'm in President Lincoln's college, and I'm telling Joe, and I was like, okay, wait a minute, man. I, he was like, I said, President Lincoln, you know, he just rolled over his grave. He was like, I emancipated him. I had to say nothing about them coming in and entertaining no goddamn time. <laughs> and you know you're free now. You know you're free, nigga. And I was like, thank you, Mr. President, but you got to keep calling me, nigga. I was free. Yeah. So that oh. was the runner that I kept using throughout the show. Oh, I love so, it. So, like, it was, older, it was an older white man laughing a couple jokes I was telling about living on Martin King Jr. Avenue and at the corner of Martin King Jr. and Malcolm X. There's a beautiful shrine dedicated to both gentlemen. It's called Popeye's Chicken. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they was going in. They was laughing like, oh, this nigga. And I was like, y'all Okay, great, but y'all gotta keep calling me nigga. Right. We free now. So that was the running joke because I'm in a place where he drafted the Emancipation Proclamation. Right. So that was heavy on my mind when I just walked in the bedroom that Lincoln was in when he drafted that letter. Yeah. That freed people, one way or another, at least he freed the people in DC and in the North. Um, so, right. Maya, hold on. So I said it to say, I recognize that I'm in this place and that was heavy on my brain, but it's also heavy that. I'm entertaining people who look nothing like myself. Yeah. They look, and they, they, but that doesn't mean they don't come from a life that I come from. With the N-word. Exactly. I mean, here's the thing about that word. I understand what it means to me. Other people don't understand what it means to me. Yeah. That being said, I have to take into account that for some, they find it as, as explosive as TNT. Hold on. So for some folks, I understand that it's as explosive as TNT. If you say that nigga there, and that's across the board, especially I find that more older black folks are finding volatile yeah. than older white people because if they want a, a, a glimpse into our society, mm -hmm. you know, they want a glimpse into our culture. We still have those folks that say we don't need to tell every folk everything. And I'm like, I understand that, but we're a little bit beyond, we're the second generation past the civil rights movement. Yeah. You know, we are. So we, are, we had that word in our kitchens, in our living rooms, from yeah. our uncles, from those of them who I thought were cool. You know, the ones who were going to school at the time, the smart folks, when you see them at the barbershop and they act just like my uncle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, so wait a minute, now you put those something for me. Right. So I'm, I'm saying that to say, I, 
My goal is not to is not to offend anyone. That's not my goal. But if one white person is offended and find themselves uncomfortable in their own skin by words that I use, then my job is done as a human being because ninety percent of my life is spent that way. Yeah. Being uncomfortable in my well, I should say that I'm not making others uncomfortable. Yeah. But others are uncomfortable with me sometimes in the room even. Yeah. You know, I work in corporate America. I work around people all day long. But I go, wow, they, 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 I know, I can see the look on their face. How did this nigga get in here? Yeah. So when you, when I work with all of that, I can't ignore. I can't ignore. Yeah. But I also can't ignore that. I, I, and I'm not a hip hop. I'm a hip hop fan, but I'm not one that says, well, we took that word back and we did this, that, and the third, and when it used to be this and it used to be that. Well, it was a word that meant royalty at one point. That's that's at the end of the day, that's it. And was it now? I need you to tell me that. It's a word that meant royalty. If you uh, look up the word negus. Oh. Which is which is N E G U S, uh, which is Aramaic. Ah, Negus. Yeah. Yes. So that's the original language. That's the language of Jesus. So you got kings and whatnot, right? Who were actually some of the first folks that were captured and put on slave ships because those chiefs in those areas couldn't deal with these folks. So now you're sitting on the slave ship and you're going Negus, Negus. Did not say who you are. But Negar is also a term for black. So when the Portuguese are actually exporting black folks, what words do they use when they call us black? They call us Negars. So now if you're talking to an Englishman, you say Negar, you hear this nigga say Negus. All of a sudden, yeah, niggas, whatever it is, just get your ass on that ship. <laughs> <laughs> Negar, Negus, nigga, 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 get on exactly. the bus. <laughs> so yeah, we got you. You got niggas. All these niggas, all these niggas. And then it becomes a word that's bastardized because you have folk who was doing the ship. It's not people who are, 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 are educated because educated folks wouldn't even use touch. See, this is what people have to understand what slavery really was and how it was really, how chattel, how humans were, were used as chattel and basically used as, as uh, 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 plot devices, used as paper mm-hmm. and whatnot, became property. You had to devalue a person. And before transcontinental slavery, the transatlantic slave trade, that didn't happen because everybody was equal to. You just saw somebody different. You saw a person with black skin, you saw a person with white skin, red skin. You could go back to the Egyptian walls and see that. You yeah. go to uh, uh, pyramids in Nubia and see that. And that's still to this day. So for people to say that that's racism, I will not give a white man the credit for creating the word nigga. I cannot do that. Mm-hmm. You did not create a word that made me feel funny about myself. You created a situation that made me feel funny. Slavery was not our fault. Right. You, 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 you're telling me it's my fault that I wasn't fast enough. You're telling me it's my fault that I wasn't fast enough. I didn't know anybody. People just knew at some point, hey, if you go if you go through those gates, you ain't never coming back. Yeah. So that's what it is. You don't have all that time to explain in a comedy show. Right, right. This is, see, this is my history. And people go, well, then why does he use it that way? Right. I'm a <laughs> and I use it as I see fit. Yeah. And it's a word that I'm allowed to use. And guess what? I also understand the word abracadabra, that words have magic. I use it in a way sometimes where I might want a volatile thought in your head. Yeah. Because something's coming behind that to help you explain my my thought process. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I love it. That's what comedy also is. It's two violent actions happen. It's a violent action and your, your brain is processing something and your body reacts. Yeah. And you laugh uncontrollably. That's an uncontrollable thing. It's a sense. It's a sixth sense. It's a sense of humor. And if you don't have no sense of humor, don't talk to me about the word nigga. It's just so simple. Because if you can't see the joke in making people feel lesser than because of who they are, then I'm sorry. You don't get the joke of racism. I think the joke is in the word nagoose. <laughs> I think there's a joke there. <laughs> and nagar. And the word nagardly. Nagar. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> or like an old white feeling nagardly. <laughs> Feeling the godly. You know what? I like that. I like that. That's a book. See? The godly. Okay. I mean, you gotta read that book. It's called From Niggas to Gods. And it's, like, it's all about, you know, your thought process. We were never niggas. They said it to us in school days. You're not niggas. But if you think you are, then they already won. <laughs> <laughs>
But see, like, Sean, that's my nigga right there. There it is. We understand what it means. And that's that. Remember the shirts we used to wear? It's a black thing. You wouldn't understand. Yeah. You were supposed to understand. It's our country. I don't go around asking what it's who mom mean. I'm not Italian. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? I don't ask you what, 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 what's, the, what's the word in Spanish. Primo. Primo. Right. You know what I mean? That's my cousin. I get it. Everybody <laughs> got words they use to denote, hey, this is my man's. This is my man's in there. Right. Well, they don't because they don't have a language. Oh? English ain't even a fucking English is a language. <laughs> England, America has no language, so we don't have a language. I don't understand why you get offended by the fuck. What? Hey, how did you find what? that culture, nigga? We took it away from you. I thought, Sorry, God I, gave it back. To I thought our language was God. was <laughs> Ebonics. <laughs> I wish Ebonics was a language, because then I, Siri would understand what the fuck I'm saying. I'd be like, Siri, turn left. Chill, you want chicken? I'm like, I understand. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Racist ass. You know, series, series, man. Listen, I'm saying sometimes I'll be like, turn it on, turn it off, and she's like, turn what on? It was, <laughs> yeah, series like, a bitch. Watermelon. Oh no! Could you imagine series going? What does what, what do you be want? What does you be want, boss? I'm gonna say like, me. And that's how my robots will sound. That's the only thing I hit about Star Wars. Those robots all sound in English. See, I like those dudes when they shit, when they do shit, and everything is important. They give it an English accent. Right. They really, really do. They never give it any kind of accent, but an English accent. That's why you know American white folks still uh, 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 beholden to the goddamn British. Right. I was beholden to the British. Right. I didn't give a fuck about the British crowd. Right. You brought me here and they said, "Hey, hey, work for us." I mean, you said England wasn't anything. So then at the end of the day, I don't, what you're saying is backwards. Yeah. You know, the language of this country was almost German because it was that many German people who lived in it. Wow. My last name, Turnipseed, is actually German. It sounds like it could be Native American, except for Native Americans didn't speak English. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what is that? Is that Native American? Yeah, they, they, thought, they called it Turnipseed. <laughs> yeah. That's what they called it, Turnipseed. They said, yeah, Turnipseed, they said it when they got here, hey, we got these Turnipseeds. That's what the people were called? People ask, no, people asked me that. Oh. Native I was like, you ain't even thinking. They wouldn't even call Native Americans, motherfucker. Like, they, <laughs> They're like, they call themselves <laughs> 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 just what? like Africans. They took our tongues up anyway. Okay, so wait. Abracadabra. <laughs> I propose <laughs> that we <laughs> write a petition to Apple to get some black voices. Oh Lord, oh Lord, it better be Idris Elba. I <laughs> and James Earl Jones. Those only black boys. I don't want Morgan Freeman. Sir, so Jackson. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be funny though, Sam Jackson. I told you, motherfucker. Well, I told you the time right. Sam, you'd be like instead of Sam, you'd be like Sam. Sam, play Jay Z. You don't want to hear that nigga right there. Right, you're supposed to be quiet. <laughs> you know the new eleven, uh, the new eleven what does it do? It, uh, oh, it doesn't do update. anything while you're driving, right? Yes. It's, oh, man, so when you're driving, you can't change shit. You can talk to Siri, though. But Siri's like, you should be driving. Right. Focus on the, so focus on the road, Siri. bitch. Focus on the road, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got to have that no more. It's got to have that. Look at the word. How you, look at how we do that word. Just, uh, it's just got some some power behind it. Yeah. So I propose we also maybe have some more historical people. <laughs> like Harry Tubman. Oh, Siri? <laughs> no, like. You don't want to Harry Tubman. <laughs> you don't see pictures of Harry Tubman. If anybody should. And like, she would always look angry. <laughs> she said that was like, yeah, one picture of her smiling. I mean, that made a picture of her. Freddie Douglas, you don't see a smiling picture of Freddie Douglas? <laughs> no. He always throwing this shit like Yeah, because he's like, if I smile, they think I'm happy, and then yeah, they're like, gonna give me the like, shit I need. Like, this motherfucker, Martin Luther King, that's one picture of 
pictures of him laughing. No. One picture of And that's probably right, right before he got shot. Like, right before he got shot. That's when he got his dick sucked. And then, <laughs> and they told him he going to tell Coretta. He was like, no, you know. <laughs> we going to tell Coretta. Malcolm was always smiling because he knew that he knew what was up. Malcolm had a, he had that he smile. He was happy. He had the nation of Islam. He's like, hey, we got that's a lie. Okay, I'll be smiling too. And you know what? You ever watch, you ever watch Bullwalk Empire? Yes. All right. There was the one line in Bullwalk Empire that, that came out. It was when the FBI, Daniel Hoover and them, right? They had infiltrated uh, uh, um, Harlem. And they were also trying to infiltrate organized crime. They knew it was beginning. And they were like, fuck Lucky Thompson and them. They really said, they said, our bigger problem is Marcus Garvey and those 300 niggas with one thought in their head. Ooh. 300,000 niggas with one thought, that's a problem. Damn. That's why we so confused. They be putting future in our minds. Three, Cardi B. 300,000 black folks with one desire to get free. Of what? Now, that's what they don't want us to know. So that's when they say, oh, N-word this and what about this. It's all yeah. fucking distraction. From the main It's objective. all distraction. This ain't even, please, I'm not even speaking my language, so you're not even talking to me about reality. Right. That's how I, that's my thoughts to quote, wrap it up on the N-word. So when you speak to me, <laughs> say that, that nigga there, TNT, I know it's TNT. I know I know how to play with bombs, though. I know how to defuse and cr- cr- create them. Good to know. But Good I start using it as a terrorist at one. I'm talking about the terrorists that is uh, KKK and the Klan and them invisible army motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> the Invisible Army. Yeah, okay. Supremacists that think they be dead. So your career oh, as no, a comedian is. About funny stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like. That's my opinion. The, the opinions of Hayward Turner Jr. Do not fully represent. They do not represent the Super Puppy Party. <laughs> That's all. Unless you talk about Black Labs. Right. Black, they they, they Black be all Labs together. Matter. Black Labs matter. Because they do laughs. Black Labs matter. <laughs> Speaking of laughs. Yes, ma'am. Do you remember the very first time you did comedy? Yes, I do. Where, you where, when? Kurt Shackerfoot, Topaz. Oh, yes, yes me so too. <laughs> hey, we frat. No, that was our little spot. He yeah. would give you a DVD. Yes, yes, you would. You get a DVD. I got a hot DVD of my performance. Yes. Oh, this is 2017, and that had to be 2007, March 2007. Yep, and he was so uh, good to the new people. I can tell you who was on that show. Who? Uh, okay, go. Kojo Monte. Kojo Monte. Yeah, Sam Sam uh, Samson was actually hosting. Samson Sam McCormick. McCormick. Uh, uh, Aparna Nonchalera yes. was on that show. Uh, I met Seton Smith at that show. Yes, Seton. Uh, we love Seton on this else? show. Uh, Jermaine Fowler was probably in the wings of Love that him, show. too. I mean, this is one of those shows where I'm eventually working with people who are on television. Yeah, the homies. These, these were all, like, at the time, they were, like, probably sophomores. And Jer- Aaron Jackson was on yes, the show. Yes, Aaron Jackson, so yes. all people who were, like, you know, doing so, big things in comedy. Yep. And, and still doing, yep. Still, still winning, know, yeah. At the time, it was just like, that was my first show. I said it to say it was three hot minutes. And unlike other things that you do, it's like drugs. Unlike other things you do the first time that, you know, they get better as you go along. <laughs> Comedy, you never get that vibe. It's like doing drugs. You yeah. never, I never got that high, as high as I was that first time here yeah. on the first laugh at things that I just thought. Yeah. But people were reacting to things. And I told a joke about Superman. I told a joke about at the time, Superman uh, was out. It was the a Superman Resurrected or something like that. Whatever. Superman uh, Returns. Uh-huh. Superman Returns was out. And the movie, if you've ever seen Superman Returns, he had a son. And his son had asthma. And I did a joke about his son having asthma. I was like, wait, wait, how long would his son have asthma? And then his son get the powers underwater. Right there, Superman should have been like, what was you fucking with Aquaman? Right. <laughs> right. How you get and that? Then, yeah, and I did a joke about Batman. How does he go online and find a ward? 
Because, like, these days, you got to go online and find the war. So, imagine Batman show up at, uh, it was the show that used to come on, where he used to catch those dudes with molestations. Oh, uh-huh, to catch a predator. To catch a predator. So, Batman walks him to catch a predator, <laughs> and then the dude's sitting there like, wait a minute, hey, that is the Batmobile, right? He <laughs> sees your email address, BruceWayne at Batman, Batcave.com. You're talking about you're looking for a nice, athletic, 12 Right, right. Boy in the play. This is not you. This is you, right, billionaire Bruce Wayne? This is This motherfucker's like, this nigga here, though. I was like, so the whole thing was about superheroes living in the real world. And it actually went over well. It's probably because of some of those jokes. Yeah, straight up. And then uh, I remember the rest of it was just ripping on the fact that people are laughing at those jokes. <laughs> and I was like, okay, and my name is Hayward Tucker Jr. Good night. You're right. That's probably the biggest joke you've ever heard. <laughs> And they were like, why is that a big joke? And I was like, because my father named me after him been left. I love that, bro. <laughs> so, yeah, top topaz, man. It was great. And I was home for, until uh, Kirk kicked, I didn't mean, hear kicked me out. He was like, you know, go on to something else, which is cool. And it was like, you know, when other people tell you to go do other things, that, that's when you know you got something. Yeah. And you should go here. You should start trying other rooms. Because so, you don't want to get comfortable as a comedian because your life is the comfortable. That's what made us comedian. Yeah. You know, comedy is our sense of, it's our sense of humor, but it's our shield against the universe. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you start getting comfortable, you start losing your sense of humor right. because that's what you have up to defend you. That's funny. That's what Rallo, Rallo was talking about that too. He was saying that when he's in a relationship, he, he just don't feel as funny. <laughs> but, that, <laughs> but that makes sense because he's probably comfortable in that boot tank. Yeah, because yeah, well, Rallo, Rallo's a young single man who wants to be. <laughs> yeah. And then, at the same time, you can see, you know, comedy, well, comedy, well, especially on the black scene, I don't know about the white scene, and I said it to say there's a difference between mainstream and urban, this is what they call it these days. Mm-hmm. For us, when we approach it, it's an event. Yeah. You know, we go to comedy shows, it's like going to church. Yeah, it's, it's a thing. Event. Yeah. I just went to see Chappelle, and it was weird to see that mix. I never see that mix that often anymore because at some point, comedians go right or left. Yeah. They, their audience tends to start looking more like them. Mm-hmm. So even Chris Rock's audience, it's a, it skews just a tad bit older. It's, it would be the Run DMC crowd oh, as okay. opposed to the Rakim, Big Daddy Kane crowd. Uh-huh. They still dig hip hop, but they came up on Run DMC. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So they just have a different approach to Yeah. They're that first generation possible, right? So they still like, you gotta go and be like, I just wish them niggas had on Jordans. I love it. Uh, uh, Yeezys. Uh, I mean, they was. I mean, jeans. I was like, that's that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I can't do that. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know you can't do what you can't. Both, yeah. You know, so it's like, okay, I understand when I'm in certain events and I'm doing certain things. That's black tie. But I like when I see Chappelle with somewhere with no tie on. That's what. It's like. Because you're relaxed. It's a relaxed. Like, relax. like. Yeah. You know what I mean? They were mm-hmm. the cool dudes. You don't want to be with the dude that's stuffy. Because the, the, the one that's going to make you laugh is the one that looks like they're going to make you laugh. Yeah, right. <laughs> Let's just be honest right. about this. It ain't the right. one that you be like, hey, that guy looks like a doctor. Cyborg looks like a doctor to me. He's funny to me. Right. He looks like a doctor. When you see him in uh, Top 5 and he's got his tie off and in his strip club and he's yeah. talking shit, that's hilarious. Yeah. Because like, I didn't know Jerry was like that, but that's what I say. You have different scenes. So I'm talking about Rallo. You got somebody like Rallo. You know, he know who. I mean, he, he don't get top quality tail for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all, that, all that cocoa butter. Yeah, so when you're in a relationship, that, that goes out the door. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're like, you know what I mean? Unless you right. call amorous or something, and then you got to explain that. <laughs> so where do you see, like, what do you see for yourself moving forward? Uh, more going, spreading my wings a little more, like getting out. Like, I've done different cities, of course, done New York, done, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Atlanta, and a few places up and down the East Coast. But just getting out more, going to Chicago, going to L.A., yeah. uh, going international. I've had some offers before to come. I just wasn't ready. Yeah. Had I have actually been doing longer sets, I feel that I can fill a 20, 30-minute window. Yeah. I don't want to go for five to ten minutes. That, unless it's, you know, somebody's asking you to come perform for something certain. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. But to go and say, hey, you can do a guest spot and all this kind of stuff, we can do all of those kind of audiences here. 
everything you will find in the world until you go down Woodbridge or Fredericksburg and find that rural audience mm-hmm. that's not that's totally different from the urban audience that you will find in Peoria. Yeah. You can go, you got DC, you got Baltimore, two different types of black folks. Yeah. You know what I mean? You go out Charles PG County, Charles County, whole other type of black folks. Yeah. I mean, then you have a whole other type of folk out there in general in Charles County because you get that mix also. Mm-hmm. So then you have, I mean, in this area, you can get to West Virginia and all these different places. So it made sense to me to work out in all of these rooms, just mm-hmm. like a ball player, work out all, all of these different venues and, and what, put it all together. Yeah. So now that I found, I know, now that I have an act, mm-hmm. I'm ready to show it. So yeah, that's what's the, up. You know, touring the art and let folks come and witness the exhibit and get booked on some feature spots. Hopefully, do a little Willow Creek around and uh, <laughs> make that happen. Um, I wanna, uh, my goal in the next two years is to do an album. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? So I can have something out there that's solid so that when, they, when, if, when I do hit, you know, there's something already ready where you go, oh, we should have heard this. You know, because it's only going to make you write more stuff. Yeah. You know, and, and hopefully do better. Hope, you know, it's just pushing. It's like uh, it's like when you work out. You don't want to plateau. When you get to a plateau, you go to a new one. Mm-hmm. I read this uh, book called From Peak to Peak. Sometimes you climb mountains to get a good vision of what you really want to do. Oh, uh, okay. So when you're up top, you're like, oh, okay, but there's another mountain over there, so you got to get down. Right, go back up. I love it. <laughs> peak to peak. See, a smart brother, too. Hey, I didn't say that. I just said I'm smart. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to change gears. I'm smart. We're going to switch gears a little bit. Uh, I read something. We talk about being black a lot here on this show, but I don't want to isolate us as being just that way. But I am a black woman, so I have to lead with that. Okay? Um, last Sunday, some things happened that everyone's up in arms about. Up in arms. Up in arms. And my good friend slash super puppy partner, DJ LB, informed me that um, standing for the national anthem is a new thing. Very good. Like 2008? Very good. 2009. When the military gave money to the NFL, did it become a thing that they actually started requiring players to do? So now it's making a little more sense to a non-sport person like myself. Right. NFL paid money. I mean, they NFL, but the military paid money. They're like, hey, we want to see our money go to work. Right. That's all. The military is an organization just like anything else. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's all it is. That's what you see. You, uh, uh, I remember doing the um, Persian Gulf War, the initial one. They had Winnie Houston to sing the national anthem, and it became the number one song all over again mm-hmm. about the flyover. Those things make people feel patriotic and that they should serve. Remember, we, we live in a society now that is an all-volunteer military. But the folks that go in tend to be the poor folks in America. Mm-hmm. So then what they're saying is these people consider themselves different from you, whether they're athletes or not. And that's what they're creating, a rich versus poor thing, mm-hmm. a us versus them thing. This is where that whole son of a bitch coming comes into play. But then that person is just like me if I can call him a son of a bitch. Right. He's not rich. He's not athletic. He's not anything different from me. Mm-hmm. So he should be standing just like you stand. Although when you're in the military, it's not a requirement unless you're on a base. Right. Oh, okay. Because if you're at war, there is no there is no national anthem being played. Right. Because they don't want the enemy to know where they are. Mm-hmm. Why would they? So there's all that deceit. So all that stuff is stuff that you do on U.S. bases. And they do it on, on, on some of our foreign soil, uh, on military bases on foreign soil, you know, reverie in the morning, uh, taps at night, you know. You, you do have when you got certain events where you have... Um, forget what it's called, where a person has to go out and uh, bring the flag down and all that kind of stuff, raising the flag, lowering the flag. But they have uh, honor guards for those things. They have people who are, who are specifically designed to do those things. They have flag codes. Yeah. And apparently everyone's just respecting the flag because you're not supposed to have anything that's like 
garments. Yeah. Oh. Garments. Yeah. Shirts, all that kind of stuff. All that stuff. You're not supposed yeah. to, when they go on the field and they put the flag out, you're not supposed to have a flag. You're actually supposed to have a weight. Uh, so they're disrespecting the flag. In other ways. Oh, yeah. All across the, all across the board. But yet, it's like someone kneels, not saying they're disrespecting the flag, but right. talking about something else. It's like, oh, it's not an American. Yeah. Yeah, because you should know your place. Yeah. Remember this. Even if it's not, even if it's not black or white, I paid money to come see you, boy. Mm-hmm. That's all it boils down to. I don't care who we talking about. I paid money to be entertained. This is the problem with it. What will happen in the entertainment business? People think they own you because they own a piece of you. Yeah. Not even a piece of you. They own your art. Yeah. So now they say, hey, I've seen it over and over again. You be out, you be out, and somebody black like, can't get a picture. Somebody may say no. People are like, but I watch your show all the time. Right. I do this all the time. So I do that. That's great. So then you don't need a picture. Right. Go back to that <laughs> rerun you was just what's, watching. What's the picture for? <laughs> you know, and not saying that people don't want to take pictures, mm-hmm. but sometimes people may be out with their families or at a certain point. Right. You may catch somebody just leaving a funeral. Yeah. You know? You never know. But then at that moment where you see them and then you go, I got to, I, I got to do what I got to do. This is where celebrity comes into play. Mm-hmm. And we forget it's entertainment. Not weak society in and of itself forgets that it's entertainment. I'm entertained by a lot of things. This is why I can listen to an R. Kelly album and separate the man. Ooh. He's nuts. A lot of people cannot. You know, Marvin Gaye was just as nuts. When well, you find out, imagine if we had TMZ in the days of Chuck Berry. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, seriously, imagine, imagine if we had this shit when Kennedy was around. Would right. he have been president that long? They yeah. Would have he fucked his neighbor. Right. <laughs> he did shit like, I was like, wait a minute, the, the lady from Virginia who just had to be working for you? Right. right. He was like, yeah. He saw her at a party. He was like, I got the, come on, that's the most Solomon. It was David and Bathsheba. <laughs> I, I got, got the hair of it. Right I got the hair of it. Who is that right there? Who, who's she married to? What? So she I. I've been an for a couple years. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I said it to say, we live in a society now, and this is based on like, um, Early radio, uh, I forget the guy's name. Uh, I, 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 I want to call him Walt Winchell for some reason. That might be a name. But anyway, he was a guy who actually started making, uh, talking like the, what comes to tabloids. Mm-hmm. It was tabloid radio. That's what was interesting. These are what these celebrities are doing when they're not in the movies. Right. So we started finding out who's sleeping with who. People was, oh my God, because, well, I want to know about their life. But then what is that keeping you from doing? Living yours. Right. Me, I go to movies, I'm entertained. It's just like a piece of art. Then I go out and do, live my life. Some people go to the movies and they are influenced by and, so and much. And absorb all of the facts, yeah. And that, that's what they want to be. Some people have watched the autobiography of Malcolm X and not read the book autobiography of Malcolm X and don't realize that the movie's not called the autobiography of Malcolm X. Right. It's called X. So there's a few liberties in there. Yeah. Like there's no Brother Banks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. like when Brother Banks said, that brain didn't exist. So who are we talking about? Right. Now we talk about the movie, I get that. But look how powerful movies influence people. This is, the Egyptians knew that way back in the goddamn day. This is why they put pictures on the wall. Pictures influence people a lot more than words do. I can give you words, but if you don't take time to understand what the meaning behind the words, you'll never understand truly what that picture is saying because a picture is worth what? A thousand fucking words. One picture is worth a thousand <laughs> words. Hence the flag. Hence the flag. Speaking and, and of some pictures. People make it, it makes people feel, yay. Some people be like, Mm. Do you have an <laughs> Instagram handle you would like to share, like to share with the listeners? At Woody C, W O O D Y S E E D. Also at Attack of the Comics. That's the uh, our club name. That's the name for our show. So you can stay in touch with the show. You can stay in touch with me. I actually have pictures of my family. Yeah. Pictures, pictures of my friends and whatnot. And it's a. Uh, all I don't those say words. live out loud, but I, I, a couple kids told me I was tweeting at the same time. That's my Twitter handle also, and I was like, they were like, don't tweet. And I was like, what? They were like, nigga, pictures. 
hieroglyphs. And they said it's like hieroglyphs. All right. Instagram is still like, we can see it. Okay, it's so better wait. than reading it. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay. I found an article about that was written for the National Catholic Register. Oh, this is in line with the flag. Yes. The 10 reasons kneeling during the <laughs> anthem is a bad idea. Let's just start with the first one is because the priest might be there. Stop it. They should be telling nobody nothing. But wait, the first (laughs) sentence of this article says, Rosa Parks was a hero. You gotta finish that. On December 1st, 1955, in Montgomery, Alabama, Parks refused to give up her seat. When did it happen? Or in the color section to a white passenger. Yes, she did. The resulting Montgomery bus boycott changed things and made this country a better place. That was a productive protest. <laughs> okay? I met Rosa Parks once. You know what she said to me? What? Excuse me, you were in my seat. Uh, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> and I fell for it like a goofy. <laughs> I'm like, what's she saying? She's from Detroit. She got, she got pistols and shit. Last Sunday, a very different protest took place when more than 100 NFL players knelt during the singing of America's National Anthem. I see nothing productive about it. It was 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick who started the trend last year to protest police brutality. As a result, this article has come up with 10 reasons why kneeling should be, why it's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. Number one. You don't get respect by showing disrespect. That's true. I mean, that's an old-fashioned thing. Unless it's not true. And it's not true. Right. Because they show disrespect when they stand at that counter. Right. It's so much disrespect. It's not. It's just not true. Yeah, so, I mean... We're being disrespected <laughs> daily. <laughs> daily. Okay. Da- daily. Second. Just every time I have to look at him, I watch the monument, knowing that that's an oblique now, they never teach us that in school. Right. And so this is that the police is Egyptian, and that that's where you know African history comes from. They never teach us anything about ourselves, which is total disrespect. But yet, I'm supposed to respect a culture and a society that doesn't respect me. This is right. what I was dealing. So this there is a lack statement of number one is not showing respect for yeah. the black people. Black lives community. only matter during fantasy football season. Okay. So <laughs> two number one, I say black lives matter. Yeah. But they won't. They don't understand that. They, they don't understand. understand. They, they want to say all lives matter. It took me a minute. I'm going to be honest. When I first heard Black Lives Matter, I was like, yeah, all lives matter. And then I was like, oh, shit. I just said it. This is when it, when it happened. I, when, as soon as I said it, when I, searched up, when I first started seeing the handle, Black Lives Matter, I was like, yeah, all lives matter. And I was like, wait a minute. They saying something. Right. I was like, because over and over, just to us, our own lives don't matter. We'll put ourselves on the back burner because that's what was done to us. Wow. You got to kill that white person inside of you. Hey. That's what Dr. Umar said. Hey, there you go. It's there. It's there. Number two. If you think anybody's doing anything wrong because of the color of their skin, there's something wrong with you. Number two. <laughs> Disrespecting our country inflames racial tensions rather than moving towards harmony. So does killing uh, youth. So does killing black people, unarmed blacks. Here's, here's the thing. You know what I... <laughs> All right. Last year, the Rust Report is run, it shows a running tally of how many people in America are killed by police officers. So it's 990. There's a study done, and disproportionately, in uh, urban cities, black folks are killed at a higher rate. If you factor in the police force, the size of the police force, and the per capita, and all that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So when you say, like, hey, this, month, this, this area has such, such money per capita, it means, okay, this area has more money than that area because of the amount of people that live there and the type of people that they are. 
So when you factor in that a lot of people come from outside of urban cities to police these urban cities, mm-hmm. it's more like a zoo than it is actually a, 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 a police presence. Police are supposed to protect and serve. These guys actually enforce and rule. They are the first line of defense, but now because the system is so corrupt, they have taken it upon themselves to be not just a hero, but judge, jury, and executioner. It right. doesn't get beyond that. But if you can kill black people, trust me, you can kill anyone. And it goes back to slavery. If you enslave people, you can enslave anyone. And it shows over and over and over again. This is what the prison system is. The prison industrial complex is a system that actually is legalized slavery. Mm. It's stated right there in the amendment. Slavery will be outlawed unless it is for, and I forget the actual terminology, but if, uh, unless committed crimes and now you serve that state or that federal government. Mm-hmm. So we still have free labor. I'm saying all of this to say the people that are being killed are, are soldiers that come home who have uh, PTSD and certain uh, uh, dementias and whatnot. You have people who are mentally challenged. You have uh, uh, black people. Uh, you have people on a regular basis who are considered, just like this president did, or just like in certain times, lesser than. Mm-hmm. People who we don't need to have around anyone because they're mentally unstable So to us as a society, or because they're physically not able to us as a society, mm-hmm. or because they just don't belong or should know better. You know the people Hitler interned first before he actually interned Jews? It was black folks. It was the black folks oh, in Germany. Oh, yeah. So this is what a lot of things are tried on black people because if you can do it to them if you can, I've proven you can do it to humans it's already now become a mindset mm-hmm. and everybody else should just get in line so now you have people getting in line standing for the flag protesting the flag protesting the protesters protesting the protesters <laughs> which is like you know okay that's great but do you enjoy this game if you enjoy this game then you are, what you really want to understand is the NFL is a non-profit how does that happen because I give them how much money yeah so when it comes to protest, I'm, I'm of the I've never been. I, I do I do love getting football. I play football, but I've never been an NFL guy anyway. There's Canadian football. Me either. I USA mean, football. I, my kids now. These are six year old. I'm teaching them how to tackle so that they don't leave with their heads and get those CTE things. Right. People taught us. At, I was taught by folks who taught us that you could get those headaches. You can get these things that can cause detriment in your future. Mm-hmm. So don't go for it like that. Use your head. Mm-hmm. We were taught that football was a game of chess, not a game of checkers. So we were taught by people to play for the long game. Because mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a stop, start game. Stop, start, stop, start, stop. And everything you need is all around you. The inches, the, the yards, the touchdowns, the tackles. Do you get those breaks and mm-hmm. all those things? So when I look at it as a metaphor for life, I don't necessarily go, okay, the NFL, that's it, played on a high, a high level. But if it can send a kid to college, why not? Yeah. Just like uh, just like tennis or just like golf or just like track and field or any other sport that you want to use to get to school these days is important. And as that becomes more and more privatized, why not get yourself in a place that you can do benefit and the school can benefit? Mm-hmm. But that's becoming a part of something that's bigger than yourself. NFL is a part of America, but is America part of the NFL? Okay. That's a good question. Here we go. There is peer pressure being put on NFL players to take sides during an activity that should unite them and their fans. 
Yeah, that pressure was put on by the NFL next year. Okay, now we're going to start doing this, having y'all come out, because the, <laughs> all forces are giving us money. Right. So now we're going to start doing these things before you better game. better stand that ass up. This is all part of the NFL Players Association. This is why they were boycotting a couple years ago. They were like, we don't, there were a lot of things that they were like, we don't want to play extra games during the preseason. We don't want to play those extra games during the year. Those folks don't want to play 16 games. Yeah. They're like, they want to add two extra games. They're like, that took, these are their bodies they're talking about. They yeah, we're the human beings. The, 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 I don't say the common football player, but the football player, the average football player plays three years. Yeah. That's it. At that high level. That's all your body can stay. Damn. So now we're talking about guys who play these long careers. You're like, well, wait a minute. How do these dudes play? The, well, they, okay, they, watch. They don't play during the preseason, but they don't play a game. It's not like a, in the NBA. I'm sitting the dude now. Yeah. Because we, look at what LeBron and them do. They're like, listen, if, it, if my body's on the line, then I'm going to get I'm that I'm chilling, line. right. <laughs> but they will sit out yeah. if they have to. Well, the body's on the line. Why do that to yourself? Yeah. That's not smart. Well, back in the day, this guy just didn't. No, he did not. <laughs> but he also stopped groceries. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. And, and wrestled in the whole season. <laughs> Number four. Studies show there is racial stereotyping, even among minorities, beyond the criminal justice system. The protest does not address the real problem. It did. Mm-hmm. That's where it started. It started with the disparity in America. It started with a young man. He was waking up to his own reality saying, hey, I can't do this. Now, let's be honest. I understand that the NFL is a show and it's one of the greatest television shows that have ever been on television. It's been on for over 30 years. Mm -hmm. Monday nights, Sundays. Now uh, Thursdays. Yeah, the characters always change, Mm -hmm. but the teams remain the same. So you can root for your team, but the characters change, the storylines change, but it's... uh, so there's all these differences now. So I'm not above the NFL saying, all right, Cap, we need you to do this. I'm not above that. Yeah. I'm not above that thought process. I, I don't know if he did it or if the NFL did it or any of that. But it did address the situation. And we're going, hey, okay. He lives in the Bay Area where you also had that young man, uh, what's that, Fruitville Station, that movie, mm-hmm. who was killed out there on that, on the, just by a police officer because he was shot because the police didn't know what to do. He was handcuffed. Right. So now you have somebody waking up, and I understand that his, his girlfriend was a part of Black Lives Matter and actually was telling him, okay, you have a platform that you should utilize. A lot of people say you shouldn't use sports for politics. Well, how did you forget uh, um, Muhammad Ali? Did you forget... Uh, uh, the Olympics with uh, Tommy Smith and Juan Carlos. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you do you forget uh, the white man when he moved back to his country was completely shunned because he actually stood up there. They told him you don't have to understand. Yeah, up he stood up there with the guys. They didn't do anything, just stole it. There's a movie about him when he didn't even run anymore in Australia. He was written out of Australian history books until Damn. recently. So there, there are a lot of times where politics and society and reality collide. Not politics, politics, sports, and reality collide. And we get to see that on that, that huge field. We would not know about the civil rights movement if it wasn't for television. But if it wasn't for sports stars like uh, hell, uh, Bill Russell saying, oh, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for stars like Jim Brown saying, this is what's happening. If it wasn't for uh, 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 athletes and stuff like that, but go, oh, if you find out this Jackie Robinson's and whatnot, well, this is what's also going on. Right. You know? So these things that have been, <sighs> that is the perfect place. You know, that is the perfect place to, to have a voice being heard. People forget about the early 90s. Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, who did it, you know. Uh, what was his name before he changed? Chris, Chris Johnson, who played for the Denver Nuggets. He was drummed out of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Craig Hodges, who actually was also a Muslim man, when he went to see President Bush, he actually gave Bush a letter about, uh, hey, this is the stuff that I see going on on my side of Chicago. We play outside of a state, and there's projects right across the street. The disparity is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. What, this is what I think we could do. 
that nigga got drummed out of they basketball. Was. Okay, you think so? He was, three, he was, the, NBA, three, he was the NBA champion. Three-point champion. He, can, he had to play the next year with no team. Damn. They invited him back, and they was like, there's no way you cannot have him here. He's the champion, and won again. That's why protest is bad, because you need to but shut the, the fuck and, up, and niggas. At the same time, though, here's the thing, though. Why do politicians always get pop, uh, athletes to come to their events and endorse them? Okay. If, if they shouldn't be in the trunk. I love this. You thank you for sharing your 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 mind because I don't even I can't even begin. Okay? <laughs> Number five, sports stars have a great life, so why show contempt toward a country that makes it possible? That gets into that you should be happy and shut up. Yes, yeah, just just yeah. I got mine to go and you can choose a come on. That's yep. <laughs> yes. And that's that that's a that's a lazy person. Yep. And the fact that you have a group of athletes now who are like, and a lot of people didn't even stand up. And let's be honest, until the president himself said, "The fire these sons of bitches, you're fired." He was trying to rally his base, which we all know what they are. These these tiki torch alt right white walkers. Okay. They call them anything but that because they wanted in the Republicans. The Republicans are the Lannisters. They don't. They just blonde hair, blue eyes, right. incest, incest, snobs, right? The other motherfuckers. They the Walking Dead. They actually still believe yes. that Negroes. And if you have lived under a rock, like, that's your name, Sean, because you know how to work a camera. You okay, but that was reference. I'm burying you. The only thing I got burying you is the fact that you's a nigga. That's all right. you got to do. At least right. I had a nigga mentality. Hey, what that dude's time? Time to hide coast. That's what he wrote about. Well, at least I'm not a nigga. So now you have, they say, you know, you live a good life. What is your problem? The fact that my name is Michael Bennett and the fact that I'm living my so called good life and then I go into LA, I mean, to Vegas to a and fight. I got to be almost and I got shot. I stood and shot and right. told down and you've got the footage and then I got to play the game the next fucking day. Right. And then you telling me I got to be out here and not bend the knee and be happy about day. it. Oh, I, I'm going to hit somebody, best believe. I'm going to go ahead and do my job. You're but right. you telling me how I got to be the next fucking day? What's the dude? Marshawn Lynch. The only reason they didn't give him the ball is because, this is why I say it's a great fucking movie. Think about this. You got the ball on the one. You got a dude who's called the Beast, and he's your running back, and he got you there. And you don't give him the ball, but what is he not doing? Interviews. And you cannot have him as Super Bowl MVP when he's not doing fucking oh, interviews. Shit. He would not say, I'm going to Disney World. He's not that nigga. Wow. The only nigga I know took off and then came back and still just as bad as he fucking was. Let's be honest about what the NFL is. Let's be honest. It's called Not For Long. It's called Nigga For Life. I'm not going to be here for long. <laughs> I'm not going to be your nigga for life. But I'm going to get this fucking $28 million contract. I'm going to get that bag. I'm going to take $28 million. Gonna do the fuck. He toured the goddamn world. What's the, what's the brother's name? Uh, from, As he should. From, from, he played for Philly and shit. With, uh, I can't think of his name right now. But he has this whole thing where he does uh, on uh, Spike TV. He was like man of the world. Like he goes all over the world and shit. Like he's an international. Oh, he went to he went to Michigan. Yeah, Donnie Jones. Yes. Everybody knows. See, all yeah. that. Jones. Well, he went to Michigan. So. <laughs> Go blue. Okay. Yeah, but, he rep- but he's one of those brothers who's like, yeah. oh, he's a renaissance man. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. He's a year younger. Uh-huh. Then, then you have uh, Robert Smith, who's also like a doctor. Yeah. So you have brothers who are in the NFL who are not like just Michael Irvin's. And I, there's nothing wrong with Michael Irvin's. There's nothing wrong with people who play and play at that level and want to do things, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But you have the people, you have, it runs the gambit. And we never hear about those people who are, are authors, who are, 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 are just, just doing, doing other shit. Just doing other shit. You know, are artists and whatnot. I know uh, NFL players, I know personally. Fucking LeVar Arrington is an artist. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Not just a fucking like artist. Like radio and stuff like that. Just no, like fucking, painting, drawing. Yeah, it's like a genius. It's a genius, you know. Uh, uh, 
when I say that level of genius, like, damn, you got skills and other that things. That no, we have nothing, like know nothing about. But the NFL doesn't allow for that because it's a tough person sport. But as it grows and as, as it has its own channel, it is showing that. Well, the problem with America is the fact that we forget that it is a very young country mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it is a very young country, it's a country that's, it went through puberty. That was civil rights. It, <laughs> it got changed. This shit ain't right. But as you go older, you're like, oh, wait a minute. These are still some things that I've carried over from puberty mm-hmm. that still don't exist. We have the opportunity, and Malcolm X said this over and over again, to have a bloodless revolution. That was bloodless revolution on the football field. Every goddamn Sunday and every Tuesday and Thursday, white folks are reminded how physically they may not be at a certain level. Mm. They, when they see the NBA, they go, okay, we're not at that level. Right. When they see the NFL, they go, we're not at that level. When we see baseball, we go, hey, we're not just that lazy. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, then, when they got the Hispanics coming in, the Americans, and they like, they need to change the game. This dude just hit 50 home runs. This motherfucker, six, seven. Puerto Rican and shit. And like, get your ass there, Bush. And I'm like, God damn. I mean, these motherfuckers, like A-Rods and shit. Like, okay, wait a minute. These are Aztecs waking up. <laughs> and then you got hockey. You got your Vikings. Okay, I watch football and I play with those corn fed white boys who they ain't got no racist bone in their body. Yeah. They're just not afraid of niggas. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to let you do me like Yeah, that, you're nigga. not going to like, let oh, me out. Wait a minute. So you had your Jack Kemp's back in the day who stood with folks like Louis Farrakhan and people didn't understand. Why you said the Farrakhan? Farrakhan's trying to change his own community. If we don't let these people change their community, then how the fuck are we? Who the fuck are we? Yeah. How do you stop people from wanting to do better? Right. But that's the Richard Nixon question. Because they didn't want people. Remember, 300,000 people with one thought they got them here. Mm-hmm. It's a problem. Okay, number six. <laughs> the, this protest actually separated like-minded people. This is I, a fail. It is a really like-minded people because you have people who don't have anything else but this fucking country. They don't consider themselves global citizens. If you see yourself as a global citizen, then you understand that the United Nations has already said the United States owes black people reparations. They have given the goddamn Japanese reparations. Jewish people got reparations and the fact that it's a country called Israel. Mm-hmm. Black folks in America are the only people who were indentured or chattel who have not gotten reparations. And the fact that we have taken them through music, through entertainment, through sports, whatever it is you want to call it, and now you want to judge it? Mm-hmm. You're not like-minded. If you were like-minded, we wouldn't have these races because I don't sit at the dinner table with those folks. Right. You do. You don't invite me over to your house when your uncle comes over because you know how to, who he is and how he is. Right. You dig what I'm saying? But you also don't check your uncle when he's like, why are you watching all these niggas do all this Yeah. Shit? Not, 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 not. No one's checking their uncle. So, I mean, Thanksgiving's going to be pretty interesting <laughs> this year because if you call yourself my friend and you have, if you of that pale skin, then you need to be checking somebody. Especially if you think that me as a hip-hop head needs to make sure that it's a lot more uh, uniform in the fact that women should be respected and it, it needs to be respected and that there shouldn't be no homophobia because they quickly check black folks on our shit. Yeah. They quickly say, well, hip-hop is this, that, and third. No, it's not. Yeah. It never was. It, that's what the Fucking, that's what it's shown to you at. Just like there are not a million people in the NFL or 300 people in the NFL beating their wives. Those are a select few. Yeah. But you have people who have issues. Yes. And the fact that we don't address those issues as a society and try to blanket those issues and say, well, we should all do one thing. This ain't kumbaya. Yeah. <laughs> no. If we really want to make change and be a fucking global leader, then we have to admit that we have problems and that we are working through change. And working that is the change. Okay. You know? And it's every problem. We might find out tomorrow. We have found out fucking fossil fuels don't work. Goddamn carbon don't work. Uh, charcoal don't work. <laughs> 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 Come on. What else do we need to fucking find out? Right. <laughs> this motherfucker. Okay. <laughs> Not a single person, oh, okay. Not a single person, behavior, or law is changed by football players refusing to stand for the anthem. Ah, really? But that person had never heard of Bob Love, and they forgot about the uh, 
antitrust laws and how the Major League Baseball was broke up because one man actually said, okay, I should be allowed to have my contract the way I want my contract. And then that's, this is why we have free agency. I'm not a slave to this team. I'm a, I could be a free agent. So they broke up the antitrust early in the 20s, and then he did it again in the 60s when he fought to become a free agent. He never played the goddamn game. Mm. But this is why we have free agency and have all that money now in sports, because if you're getting paid that much off of my talent, it's only because those ticket prices can go up because of my talent. Exactly. If you're not going to give me a portion of those ticket sales, you're going to give me a portion of that income you got coming in from those TV sales or from those, uh, 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 what do you call it, jersey sales yeah. or snick sales or whatever the fuck Or you get that piece of that money you got from them goddamn all forces. Did that get handed out? To yeah, the that's that go down on here. They were saying Madden make a lot of money off of Madden. So did the NBA. I mean, so did the NFL. And then the NFL Players Association said, guys, you can't keep making this money and not, and not making us money. Yeah. How about that? So when they say that like-minded people were separated a little bit while ago, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not true because I know when the NFL Players Association got together before, I saw Peyton Manning and uh, 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 what's the dude's name? Uh, Jeff Saturday and all these different-minded people standing next to like DeMarco Way and shit like this and everybody's like, oh, wait a minute, it's all about this money. Yeah. And then when I saw this again this Sunday going, wait a minute, you calling us all sons of bitches. That's what I like to see when I see sports again. Wait a minute, now this is the brotherhood and the sisterhood and you don't get to do that like that. Yeah. Those athletes across the board why were even fucking? Why was it just that the fuck that the WNBA was the first athletes to jump on board in the first goddamn right. place? How about that? <laughs> you know, why is it always women that got to be like, hey, this ain't right? Right, and then they like it ain't. <laughs> I mean, it's a journey. It's a journey. It's what you need, goddamn. What's the science? Okay. <laughs> okay, here we go. It corrupts number eight. It corrupts the usually fun and patriotic atmosphere before a football game. When has it ever been fun and patriotic? Here's what it is. What's fun and patriotic is the fact that white folks are comfortable in their own environment and they get to sit back and just enjoy life. They get to see black people run and they like watching that. It's very entertaining. It is but how is it patriotic? Oh, that's all we do here in America is own shit and talk about the shit we own. We own shit, we talk shit, and we don't do shit unless we have to. The beautiful part is that when we do do shit, it's a bunch of us doing it. So yeah. other countries just haven't gotten united like we have. Mm-hmm. And I say we because even black folks, we fought for this country. Over and over and over. We didn't fight during World War II. Shit, that shit wasn't done. Right. Tuskegee helped that out. I said that. I'm saying that to say. They, and I understand. I'm not saying this in a negative way. People don't want to think about that stuff on the days off. Right. We have to think about it all the time. Yeah. We don't, we, no days off. We don't get no days off. Ain't no day, like, you ever heard, you ever heard this? Man, I don't even want to be black today. <laughs> you <laughs> I, cannot. I, my, mother like said, I, my mother said, like, I don't even feel like being black today. <laughs> like, I, like, like uh, uh, Richard Pryor, that was one of the best jokes I've ever heard about it. Because it's like, he said, because he never really told racial jokes. Right. But he told jokes from his perspective. But right. then when he did get into race, he was like, man, you got two dudes working and there's an argument. And he's like, nigga. He's like, man, I got to deal with this shit today. Like, right. just, <laughs> it was just an argument. Right. Now, but now right. this shit. Right. So, it, for them, it's something that comes up every now and again, and they are a shell shock. But black folks, is, if I equate it to Game of Thrones, we're like the people on the wall. We're like, this shit is out here. Yeah, we know we it's coming. This shit, we, I'm telling you, it's out here. And they got tiki torches, and they don't give a fuck. And they, they, they cuss like me, they don't give a fuck. Now they got a motherfucking dragon, like... You know what They call him Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> they got a five-billion dragon now. Like, they got somebody who can... That people, they, when David Duke said... We have won. And people didn't recognize that. They don't want to admit. I got friends. And I can't even call them friends anymore because I, I said, you're not my friend. You don't understand this. He's like, that's just one fool. It's not. 
Yeah, no, it's not. It's, it's always you just can one. see from Charlottesville that 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 is because of. But then they'll say those are just a few fools. No, but these are fools you know. Yeah, and they're your cousins and your yeah. brothers and, or your, and your sisters and your mothers and your uncles and people that you have to deal with, and you don't want to face the fact that that is wrong. But you expect me to face the fact that that is wrong every day. So now and I deal with it and be nice to your ass. Exactly. Too. But now I gotta lump you with them, so I'm gonna see through all that shit. I'm not, <laughs> right. and I'm not gonna even try to be that. Right. I, I can't see through that no more. Like people say, well, I didn't vote for that. I didn't even know black people who voted for Trump. And they say that's because he <laughs> because he frightens white folks. I get it. But to me, you're still in that category now. You weren't thinking about the greater good. Yeah. But at the end of the day, this is a bunch of bullshit. This is a bunch of malarkey. And now I and you and Sean and you. Courtney. Courtney. We have to fight the fight that our parents fought. Right. That our grandparents. This is why my parents lived in Gary, Indiana, because it was just all black folks. Right. That they one, moved from Mississippi was, to uh, Chicago. You know, we had, if, if you didn't, it's like going to school, right? If, especially for the folks who went to HBCUs. If you didn't get the money, then you and that group, Jack and Jill, right. and that, kind of well, that was all I think. Like, well. if you wasn't in society, then you were, you know, okay, they're niggas. <laughs> right. I said that to say those are all only differences, but then everybody still went to the barbershop. Those are the problems of uh, the integration gave us the fact that we thought there was something better on the other side. Every time when slavery ended, the work went to black people. Mm-hmm. And when the work started going to black people, because they were the ones doing all the work the carpentry, the housework, the cleaning. So now you're going to pay people to do it. Who better to do it than the people who've been doing it? Right. The time? We mastered and it. And they started fucking with us because now the black people are getting money and getting things. And getting things, you get confidence. And now you think you're better than me. This is why they took out Oklahoma City and Rosewood and all these mm-hmm. different areas and said, you can't have it. There were many black free cities. Yeah. Many, many, many. And the fact that we don't know of, we only hear of three or four. Right. You dig what I'm saying? It's because this is the further, and that. You gotta bury that history, man. And even this, 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 this thing that you should just be, we have to live constantly under this shroud, this cloud. I don't want to call it fear because I have friends that say, you're not afraid of what? I would never give, I even believe in the fact that there are beings out there that live off of fear because there's something that's going, it's puppet master. Mm -hmm. And they say, hey, this is what it is, and we gotta do this, and and this is when you get into it. Interdimensional and space shit. They're beings that live off of fear. They're things that live off. Oh of yes, fear. true story. You understand what I'm saying? So I said that to say I can't give them my fear because this is what they told me. There's nothing to fear mm-hmm. but fear itself. So it's one of the movies I like. It's called After Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Him and his son. And as I saw this as a movie, I saw it, he was telling his son, "Okay, if you want to go and get into this life, this entertainment, this is what you got to do." Now he's explaining to his son everything that he did. It's a great movie. It was like the only thing you need to be afraid of is you. Because they're going to throw everything at you that they can. Yeah. Every, every guy. The, uh, I will say about that movie, though, they had some odd accents. It was, yeah, a combination of like everybody. <laughs> it was all combined. It was more Scientology shit. I'm <laughs> like, what? It was. It was part of Scientology. But the idea of the fact that, and this, this is the fear. The fear is the fact that these folks go, wait a minute, there's a part of society that I don't know. Yeah. And no. The uh, No. The average person doesn't want to realize, think. That there's nothing that they don't know, because they're comfortable. Yeah. So because if there's something they don't know, then it can wake them up at any moment. But that's the world that we live in. We weren't when it came to 9/11. Black folks were just like, uh huh. But don't right. get me wrong. We were like, hey, all right, okay, it's let's scary, get. Scary, but, but what? We were like, we weren't surprised. Yeah. They were shocked and all. Who would do that? Yeah. Why? You wait. You never heard of this and that. Yeah. This like, and that and blah blah blah. You're always getting attacked. I mean, come on now, come on, but. Okay, number nine. We got two more. You ready? Mm-hmm. 
It's a slap in the face to people who risked their lives for our country or lost loved ones doing so. As a person who's done both, it's not. I was a member of the United States Air Force. Thank you for your service. Thank you. Most of my service is spent at Burger King. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell does that mean? Because I I ate food. I was stationed stateside. I was right there. So I didn't didn't go to, I didn't go off the wall and involved in these skirmishes. At most of TDY here at most of TDY in New York to get a truck. (laughs) That's a temporary duty assignment. I say all that to say. Thank you for translating. I do know people who have gone off to war and not come back from mm-hmm. um, And they didn't go for those reasons. When you join the U.S. military, you get you take an oath, and it said that you will fight against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And our biggest enemy is ignorance. Mm-hmm. And I cannot ignore that fact, or I would be ignorant. So a lot of our enemies, our domestic enemies, are the ones who would say something like that, say that it's a slap in the face, because we live in a country that is actually applauded for its freedom of speech, applauded for the fact that its people can protest. Mm-hmm. And when the people when the people do protest, it's not Tiananmen Square. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. not it's not Russia. Yeah. You know, it's not the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not one of those societies where, uh, or Cambodia even. It's not one of those societies where people are pushed and shunned, or even China, where you hear about the Falun Gong and whatnot. It's, there, you have other cultures and other countries where dissent is, uh, is rewarded with death or uh, 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 internment camps. Mm-hmm. You know, here in this country, it's only, they take your job away. <laughs> yeah. You know, but you can, they took Muhammad Ali's job away. They took Colin Kaepernick's job away. Right. But uh, a, a smart person can still earn a living, and we do live in a, Actually, a really smart person can earn a living off of the fact they be, they become a dis- dis- Yeah, they're taking your job away. <laughs> you better make another job, Nick. Yeah, so, and that, is, and that is thanks to our military, which is the best military at present on the planet. Right. Now, that being said, they are that way because the people pay a lot of money for them to do so, and that's athletes included. And they pay, uh, they pay for our military to be a military, and they also pay for the results, which are being able to protest. So again, if I'm taking a step back, like I didn't care one way or the other. People asked me this whole time, I was just like, it ain't gonna be there that long. Because <laughs> right. I seen my move up the roof, I saw it. So I was like, it's gonna end. Not in the, with him not being in the NFL, I wish I was not right about that. Yeah, no, but like, I yeah. do hope it ends in the documentary that they put him a title or something so I can have a reason to pay for it. Yeah, right. <laughs> give him something. Like, like why brother, thank you. About this right now. Yeah, he might, he you might know, be. Because this didn't just happen to him. It happened to Paul Robeson also. Paul Robeson was a man in the uh, early 1920s, a great singer, who when he started actually talking about his rights as a black man in America, his passport was taken away and he was labeled a communist and they took the fact he went to Rutgers fucking University and he was one of the first black men to play at Rutgers and was an all-American. Damn. And they striped that from him. I'm sorry, what's that? And a straight-A student. Straight, exactly, exactly. So now you label him this and that and the third, and then they, they had to restore the fact that he went to, like, they didn't take O.J. Heisman. Mm. Right. Well, O.J. is O.J. Right, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what is, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm just O.J. O.J. made a lot of people a lot of money. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna put. I'm gonna check other and put OJ. <laughs> I'm checking others for you. People ask me why I check other on the census is because I am human. You're asking me if I'm black, if I'm white, if I'm an American citizen, I'm one of the few that actually has to see that they're human. And they say, what are you saying? Other. Human. If you want to label me, 
Because the, you know the neighborhood I live in, it's mostly black, so you're going to treat it like it is. Mm-hmm. But you're trying to get a sense of the United States of America. How many humans do you have living here? Okay. Because that makes us a global citizen, and that also gives you sanction in the UN, which is why Trump wants to pull away from it. Don't be fooled by this goddamn, I'm an American, I'm a goddamn Republican, I'm a Democrat. I'm a human being who happens to be a Democratic voter. I am an OJ. <laughs> Okay, okay, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> okay. okay. I'm an OJ, goddammit. Number 10. I might be sanctuary one day, so I'm not <laughs> a Catholic church. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. We ain't hating. Not at all. I Look, like a Catholic. You know what that word means? Universal. Catholic? That's all it means. Okay. I'm drumming. We've gotten to number 10. Wait a minute. Before we get to number one. Number 10. Was it number 10? Was it Jesus? Was it the biggest protest on earth? I mean, he was. It's just saying. Didn't Jesus and Paul and them? Didn't they protest the Roman governments? Some protests is okay because Rosa Parks was okay. She was okay sitting down, but if she had took a knee, that would have been too much. It would have been way too much. You know why? Number 10. There is no measurable successful outcome. That's a damn lie. <laughs> How do you know, boo? How she know? If they stop killing folk, hey. That's an outcome. <laughs> hey, hey. But the fact that we are aware that they're killing folk, that's an outcome. The fact that we're having this conversation is an outcome. The fact mm-hmm. that I did watch, I haven't watched all season, but I did watch the NFL Today last week, NFL Today and uh, NFL on Fox. And there was this conversation that was being had by men who had not had this conversation before. Mm-hmm. And these are older black men and older white men who are like, you know what? Oh, I saw this. I got to think about this. I'm watching Phil Sims who played with Lawrence Taylor. You never thought about this? I saw this you know? at Jiffy Lube. This I'm watching Uber Sides and play with Icky Woods. You never thought about this? Of course you're thinking about this, but you don't have to think about this. And the fact that you guys are now publicly saying, okay, we need to talk about this. That's that is a measurable outcome. Yeah, and, those are the minds that need to change. And I saw something this morning on the television. I want to say it was like this conversation you're talking about, but it was also like a documentary where they were kind of interviewing young students at Howard about their perspective of what's going on go. and where people are. And that to me would be a measurable outcome because Very that's measurable. prime television time. Very measurable. And then when you have Ray Goddamn Lewis taking both knees to play oh God, God in the all that chaos. What was that? He said he was praying to God. Somebody said his pants was too tight and he couldn't do a kneel. <laughs> he would have bust that crotch off. I'm going to say what he said. He's praying to God in the midst of chaos. That is proof. What that is, is the deal Ray Lewis took a knee. Ray Lewis took a knee. I don't want to hear about... Here's the thing I don't want to see when it comes to football. I don't want... I, I, Every October, they have breast cancer awareness or yep. breast cancer awareness, right? But on the sideline, they have women with all kinds of breasts that I'm aware of. I don't need to be aware during October of the cancer breasts. I'm already aware of the breast to cancer breasts. That being said, the number one killer of black men is... Uh, White women? <laughs> Get out. Prostate cancer. It's prostate cancer. Oh, okay. So now, how many people? We know black men play football <laughs> in a great abundance. Why not have prostate cancer and make people aware of prostate cancer? Because this is what we talk about in the barbershops. If you get your prostate checked, especially yeah. once you get over 35, get your prostate checked. Over 40, you should have to check on a regular basis. Why? Because if it gets enlarged and you, and, and, and you, you, you have a problem, pee, you can't pee. 
But I, but you don't want to make brothers aware of what might make them sick. You want to get women on your side. Why? So their mamas will let their sons play football. Because for years, who Stop would not it. let people play football? Mamas would not let their sons. I don't want to watch my son play that game. Yeah. But now we got we aware of breast cancer, and my mama had breast cancer, and, this, and, my, and my own mother had breast cancer. Oh, no. You know what I'm saying? So I'm aware of what it means to have breast cancer. But guess who also has breast cancer? Men also have breast cancer. Mm. So we're supposed to be aware of breast cancer, right? So why is the color pink? But then when you get the Susan G. Komen administration with it, just like when you get the goddamn United States Armed Forces and they give you money, you got to do what the fuck they say because well, you are a not-for-profit. You are not-for-profit, but, but you are not-for-profit. You can make other people aware of your organization. Right, United Way? Yeah. Right, goddamn uh, USA? Right, Susan G. Komen? Right? Has we can make people aware of everything. And we go to Disney World. Hasn't the NFL always been like this kind of like organization that takes a lot of money and is a representation yeah. of other funds? Yeah. But every business is a, it's a conglomerate. It's a bunch of individual businesses. Each team is an individual business. And they come together under the guise of the National Football League. Forcing the players to adhere to all the rules and regulations of that all the owners come up with. Gotcha. Have you ever seen a combine? If you've ever seen the combine, it is a fucking slave auction. What's the combine? It's where they go test the players. And uh, they check their teeth. I'm and like, they check their ability to jump. They check I'm their ability to run. And they, they actually put fucking these thick, what do you call those things? Biceps. They measure muscle. So wait, is this what I'm seeing when I look at the television sometimes and I see them like running these drills? That's yeah. not that. Well, that's not that. But it's, a, it's, a, it's an event. And you know what they have this event? They have this event in Indianapolis. Yeah. You know what Indianapolis is? The home of the KKK. I saw something on ESPN. I just wanted to say, I always found that amazing because Warren Sapp, he wrote a book, and he put that in his book. He said, oh, let's believe the combines are fucking slave auction. That's all it is. He said, but the NFL, it's almost about slavery unless you get that free agency. Wow. <laughs> I saw something on ESPN where they were, like, auctioning off players, uh-huh. but they were they had, they were just holding up signs, like a picture of the person's head. Oh, okay. okay. And they were like... Okay, how much do we have? Like, we're literally doing an auction yeah. with like Odell Beckham's face. Yeah, they do that. I mean, but it's important. We do that when we do fantasy football. See, here's the thing: the blueprint was already set. We take what we want and then we pay it up eventually. The blueprint was already set. America was born in bullshit, and it may die in bullshit unless it's aware that it doesn't have to be shit. Again, I don't even like calling them Native Americans because they weren't Americans. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't. They were but humans. weren't they on the Americas? How do you say How it? do we even get the name America? <laughs> Americas. Columbus discovered this, the West, right? Amerigo Vespucci. Who the Americas. Fuck <laughs> Who the fuck were they? Um, okay, this was such a healthy conversation that I feel like in order for us to continue, it would just take hours and hours and hours. Oh. So therefore, I'm extending <laughs> an invitation to come back. Hey. Hey. Thank you, thank you. Thank so, Riley, you got me, Riley. that we take all the big shit go with us. Yep. <laughs> all, the big shit. all of it. Okay. So, so I want to say some thank yous. I want to say thank you to you. 
Thank you. For coming and blessing the podcast with your laugh and your voice and your expertise <laughs> and your brilliance. I'll give you a drop. Scoop up the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be on every show, every town, like everything. You're listening to the Super Puppy Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. Okay. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Courtney, so for the background laugh. Courtney, the fact that we have, I thought she got tired on us for a minute, and she was still laughing. I was like, all right, there she go, there she go. We ain't lost it yet. Hey, boo. Hey, boo. Hey. Thank you, Blue Microphones. Thank you, Maya. She's sleep. Hey, thanks for being you, Maya. And that is us. We are a wrap. I'm going to wrap it right now. Wrap it. Wrap it up. Put it in the bowl.